Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everybody to episode 97 of the No Normal Show for Thursday, March 18th, 2021, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers can navigate what we call the No Normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. Joined as always by Chase Kleckner, senior marketing manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hi, Chris. Good to see you as always. Excited for today's conversation. Yes, it's a big, big, giant pivot point for us. Can't wait to dive in with our guest, Shannon Hooper. Shannon is a healthcare innovation enthusiast and student of healthcare's ever-shifting business models as chief growth officer and interim chief financial officer here at Revive. Shannon is responsible for the agency's corporate strategy, growth, and finance functions. What's missing there? You're not doing enough. Is one I know. Thing I would say. I'm looking to add some new things to the roster. You just you let me know what you need from me. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe some of the participants in the show can throw some ideas in the chat. Uh, Shannon's decade plus of expertise in health technology also positions her as a key subject matter expert and strategist for clients' complex communications and brand challenges. She proudly serves on Revive Health's DEI committee to help instill diversity, equity, and inclusion in all facets of our business. And she recently received her MBA from Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. Hello, Shannon. Hello. Happy to be here. Yes. Good to have you back. It's been a while. It has. I don't think you and I have ever been on the same show together, in fact. No. Is that, is there that was, true? There's a, yeah, there's a guest host, I think, while you were out. And I was on last time talking about telemedicine slash telehealth slash virtual care, all the things happening in that world around COVID. So, yeah, it's been a while. Good to be back. Yes, good to have you. We're going to dive into some really cool stuff today. So uh, just hang in there while we do some housekeeping here. If you are new to the show, what we do is we share industry trends, research, stories from people from within healthcare, from outside of healthcare, ideas, whatever we think will be helpful to you, our audience, health system marketers and communicators in navigating what we call the no normal. If you want to uh, know more about uh, how we define no normal, I'll, I'll address it just shortly in a little bit, but we have a blog post that kind of goes into it in depth. It has key principles for how you think about the no normal. Yes, we are still in the no normal. Yes, we're gonna be dealing with the no normal for months, if not longer, so still really relevant as we'll get to in a little bit. We're gonna be talking a little bit about COVID-19 today, but mainly as a framework or a jumping off point for what we call rapid renewal. So that's what we're gonna dive into today. Are you ready, Shannon, to get into this? I'm so ready. Okay, and I encourage folks to please throw questions in that Q&A um, function as we go. So let's, let's talk about rapid renewal. So as I mentioned, we feel very, very strongly that we are still in what we call the no normal. So quickly, that just means uncertainty. We're in a period of uncertainty. We've been in it since the outset of COVID. And from our perspective, we will still be in it even as COVID wanes. And the reason we say that is uh, we see COVID as a, as a generational or once in a century event, not unlike the Great Depression or 9-11 or World War II, that is going to have long-term implications, not just on healthcare, certainly not just on healthcare marketing, but on society in general. And it's going to take some time once COVID wanes for, for the dust to settle and for us to truly understand what are the long-term implications coming out of this event. So that's why even if 
cross our fingers, we start coming out of this in the summer. Uh, vaccines are, are going strong. Uh, we don't see this horrible new surge that I keep reading more and more about. Like, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, assuming we get out of this, or whenever we get out of this, there's still going to be time, months, if not longer, for us to really understand what normal looks like. So we're going to keep calling it the no normal. That said, there is now an opportunity for hospitals and health systems, particularly as vaccines start to become a little more normalized uh, and as we start moving out of a, kind of a crisis situation in terms of, of moving vaccines through, for, for hospital marketers to look forward. Uh, the clouds are kind of parting here and there. We're still in a period of uncertainty, but we can start seeing some things uh, emerge that we think are, are going to impact how you move forward. And we're going to talk about three trends today in particular. Additionally, as you think about that kind of context, uh, hospitals and health systems run a path to transformation, both overall and as uh, uh, in marketing communications, before we hit COVID. And COVID in many ways has accelerated that transformation. So what we're seeing as we come out of COVID and we're still dealing with the no normal, but we're trying to move forward, uh, we think there needs to be a recommitment to that transformation, and we're calling that rapid renewal. So if you remember last summer, we had something called rapid recovery, which was just about getting people back in the door because you needed to refill your financial coffers because of shutting, shutting all the elective procedures down. This is something different. This is uh, how do you reset uh, in significant ways for the long term. We don't think we should go back to where we were before. There's just been too many things that have changed fundamentally. How do you respond to those? How do you ensure that you are transforming in the way that the world is also transforming? So this is gonna be something we talk a lot about in the coming months here on this show and other things that we do. Uh, we're gonna look at trends that are going to impact how you show up in rapid renewal. And we're gonna talk about three of those today, as I mentioned, uh, dispersion, the mistrust of experts and the worship of crowds. But more importantly, we're gonna be talking about how do you uh, respond to those trends? How do you actually bring rapid renewal to the forefront successfully so that you can pick things up and, and go to the head of the class as we move forward in significant ways uh, coming out of COVID over the next few months? or year, whatever that takes. So we're gonna be talking about brand, creative, personalized marketing, you name it, uh, how you need to be changing in, in big and small ways uh, through rapid recovery or rapid um, renewal. So anything you wanna to add to that, Shannon, before we dive into these, these really cool but important trends? I guess the only thing I would add is, I mean, you talked about how transformation has been underway and we just almost have to recommit to it. And I think that, there's an interesting aspect of the story, which is, you know, there are others out there in the competitive space, which we'll touch on a little bit, and they are committed towards it. It's fascinating. I was looking at some of the latest data this morning on corporate venture capital um, and where kind of corporate venture dollars from providers and insurers and others are going. And it really blew up in 2020. I mean, I think that the kind of corporate venture capital investment, digital health companies, and kind of new virtual first and almost like top of the funnel types of offerings that grew by like 70%. And a ton of that activity was coming from the insurers, right? And we've written about this before, you know, what Optum's up to, what all of that means kind of, of this shift that's going towards new ways to reach consumers, new ways to have these virtual first offerings. So I think, you know, some of that data just really 
um, puts a finer point around what we're talking about with rapid renewal. Like there is urgency for this. And the more that we can get ahead of it and really commit ourselves to it, that's what is going to position providers, you know, for not just the next year, but for the next decade. Yep. Perfect. That's perfect setup. Couple of resources for you as we dive into these three trends. First of all, we put out a consumer trend report in November. Uh, some of it was it is is a little more focused on the situation at the time, which was, you know, getting through COVID in a significant way and, and vaccines. But most of it was about trends like we're going to talk about uh, moving forward and what you can do about it. So Chase will post a link to that. And just today, uh, our CEO at Revive Health, Brandon Edwards, uh, posted a, a blog that's going to cover some of the things we're talking about today, too. So there's some some additional resources for these trends, and we're not going to cover all of them, just three of them. And let's start with this idea of dispersion. I know this is kind of a, a passion um, area for you, Shannon. You first brought it forward. Um, yeah. I know you've, you've gotten some stuff from other people, but tell, tell us what you mean by dispersion and why it's important. Yeah. So, yeah, I first got turned on to this concept by um, Scott Galloway, Prof G. I don't know if other folks kind of follow him, but really interesting thinker in terms of trends and brand and kind of new technology is a lot of what's coming in the future. So he talked about dispersion as this aspect of it's really the, the reshaping of distribution. So removing unnecessary friction or cost and bringing a service or product directly to a consumer instead of kind of through whether it's more of a middleman like, you know, actual people or like technological barriers. So I think that that's a, a really interesting thing to look at in terms of how it's shaping the healthcare landscape. Um, and I think it's shaping healthcare, both from an actual care delivery perspective, which we can get into some of those examples in a second, um, but also from just how, how brands are being experienced by consumers and what that looks like from a branding and a marketing perspective. And it's, you know, yes, like virtual care obviously is a part of it, but also new offerings around, you know, hospital at home, right? That's a, that's a growing segment. The explosion of ASCs, even growth in direct primary care that's starting to get more out into the communities. So I think there's a, a lot to actually dig into here from virtual care all the way to some of those other brand examples. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, not through the eyes of dispersion, what I think is mm -hmm. a fascinating way to, to think about it, but we've been talking for years about the need to, to really commit to a broader top of the funnel. We've seen you know, leaders in the health system space doing this. Mm -hmm. We've seen AMCs in particular uh, trying to do this and move beyond just the, we're the shiny building on a hill. Uh, and struggling a little bit brand-wise with how do we capture value for our broadened value proposition without losing the value of who we are at, at the heart, which is that that AMC-ness. Um, so all of this plays into this, and I think it's just, it, dispersion is fuel on that fire. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, actually, there was news that happened on this front just yesterday. So some folks probably saw the Amazon Care News and been had been rumored for a while, right? But basically they had um, Amazon Care, which was an offering, a telehealth offering for employees. I think it started in Washington State, I believe somewhere on the West Coast. And then yesterday they announced, uh, not only are we expanding this to employees in all 50 states, so we are bringing forth a pretty full service telehealth offering to all Amazon employees, but we're going to actually make it available for other employers, other kind of large employer groups, to contract with us to actually get these services. And I think 
it's interesting for a couple of reasons when we're thinking about it from a from a hospital marketing perspective. One is that you know, first off, this is Amazon's first real stake in in kind of care delivery. Obviously, they've been going with um, kind of devices and you know pills and those sorts of things, but like this is an actual care delivery offering. But then the other thing that's pretty fascinating is this is not just about you know virtual urgent care. It's actually more of a primary care offering. So they've developed the ability to treat chronic conditions so that people can see the same provider have a care team, have a relationship, have this group of clinicians that really gets to know you. So there's this um, there's this longitudinal aspect to it, which I think makes it much more significant from a competitive perspective to providers than a lot of the just kind of like quick turn urgent care types of telehealth offerings. And then, you know, one thing that I love, there's a, an old quote from, from Bezos where he says, your margin is my opportunity. And I think about that a lot, right? And, and how how they are moving into different aspects of the healthcare space. And I think that's something we've got to take seriously and keep an eye on. I laughed a little bit when you said that because I imagine there are health system leaders out there to go, yeah, when you get a load of our margin, maybe you'll <laughs> you'll look somewhere else. No kidding. I don't know. No right? kidding. <laughs> um, but but I think he he and others would say, well, your margin is what it is reasons that we might be able to change so so there's a there's a just a ongoing threat there and, and we talk a little bit about this you know one of the drivers for dispersion as i'm sure scott galloway gets into is clearly covid and in our in our report from november the the trend we talked about is what we call smaller life spheres and that is of course people having to stay at home, particularly last year in the outset of all of this, you know, and basically again, their entertainment, their food, their schooling, their work, everything at home. And, and we know that that's not gonna, gonna stay in terms of people doing everything from home, but we hear more and more every day, as an example, of corporations making announcements that they're, they're making work from home a permanent deal to one degree or another. We definitely believe, and this is what the report covers, that this is going to impact behavior. Uh, and, and this is where dispersion, I think, comes into play with, with uh, health systems, right? So uh, if I'm more comfortable at home, I'm less comfortable away. Yeah. So back in the day, going across the Twin Cities where I live was something that I would do. It was not a big deal. I mean, you know, like a lot of people, I don't drive much anymore. I don't go very far anymore. Now that 20 minute drive may feel like an hour to me. And am I willing to go that far for your services? How are you going to take advantage of dispersion and bring them to me? Um, so an, an example of what you need to think about is any kind of marketing strategy you have that is focused on, uh, you know, kind of distance. So think of like center of excellence strategies where you're trying to draw people in from regional or national geographies into what you might consider a center of excellence. Uh, how much harder will that be given smaller life spheres and people's reluctance to travel, not just now during COVID, but, but going further, right? How will dispersion interrupt the idea that somebody's going to travel from Texas to your, um, to your center of excellence if somebody else can provide it to them closer uh, or more convenient through digital? So, these are just ways that this is really going to have an impact even more than we thought uh, prior to COVID. Yeah. Well, and you know what is also interesting? I, I think there's this 
the shift happening where we're starting to accept there's probably going to be something that's kind of hybrid, a hybrid healthcare model, right? You know, because there's aspects that will uh, remain technologically facilitated. And then there's aspects that, of course, require that in-person care. But I even think there's also this shift in how we're even thinking about in-person care. So, you know, from a from a hospital perspective, in-person obviously means in the clinic, in the hospital, maybe in the ASCs, but, you know, at some sort of a facility. But then you also look at what's happening in some of these kind of high growth, digitally enabled healthcare providers. So a, a heal, a dispatch health. I mean, I think dispatch health just landed $200 million in a series D funding round. And basically the model there is um, a, a consumer, a family can use an app to say, hey, I need something. Here's what I need. If it requires in-person care, they actually dispatch you know, a care team. Usually I think it's two clinicians to their home within two hours is their guarantee. And they're expanding massively nationally um, as is HEAL. So, so there's also just this aspect of, okay, what does in-person actually mean anymore? And is there this new expectation sometimes that, yeah, there, maybe patients, maybe consumers will want to have that in-person care experience, but m- maybe they'll be demanding it in new settings as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge trend. It's just, it's, it's not going backwards. And, and that's what's great about someone like Scott Galloway, who's, who's, I think he's not even coming from a healthcare perspective, right? He's talking about it just mm-hmm. in life. And so, so there's one, all right? So there's a trend that we think folks should really pay attention to. We got a couple of questions. I'm going to save them, Shannon, okay. um, for the end, because I think they're more general in nature. So hang on. If you ask a question, uh, we'll get to them in a little bit. The second trend that we want to talk about is essentially, you know, labeled as a mistrust of experts. So obviously you don't need a lot of background research, though our trends report gives it to you if you want it, on how government health entities took a huge hit in 2020, whether that's the CDC, the FDA, even the CMS, right? Places that were up until COVID highly respected, but particularly the CDC, um, very much respected in this country as a source of truth for health expertise, public health expertise. Uh, For a lot of reasons, uh, that was kind of destroyed, not just kind of, um, in a large part, destroyed. We won't get into all the reasons, but the paper kind of covers them. Uh, And and the the trick here is some of that was because of their own kind of false steps. Some of that was political. uh, And we had a guest on in uh, late October before the election saying, you know, this dynamic's not going to change if the election goes one way or the other, right? Because a lot of the the mistrust is political in nature because who our president was and our administration was in 2020. But if we get a new president, which we have now, a lot of the mistrust will just shift to a different group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from our perspective, this distrust is going to be something that exists and sticks well beyond COVID. And so there's kind of a good news, bad news thing here for hospitals and health systems. The good news is we were already respected as the most trusted source for, for, for medical expertise. Almost any research that you find, and we've done our own, and we've got, if you dig into our studies, you'll see that from last year, um, that remained true during COVID, right? And so as these government entities fall a little bit, there's an opportunity for us to step more into that role beyond just what do you do for knee surgery? but into public health realms, 
which would be great for us uh, if we can do it right. The bad news is, if we're not careful, we will be pulled into this pit of mistrust along with the CDC and the FDA and others. Uh, and unfortunately, we have talked probably too much on this podcast about how a few hospitals and health systems um, have made trouble for themselves uh, throughout particularly the vaccine distribution. Uh, and again, we know there's a lot of issues related to vaccine distribution that have nothing to do with hospitals and health systems. Uh, but we've also made it hard on ourselves. There was a story just yesterday in the Washington Post about a hospital in Chicago where the CEO lived in Trump Tower, which I think is a coincidence, but it makes for a good headline. Uh, and the, the residents of Trump Tower, because the CEO lived there, got the vaccine well ahead of where they were, where they were supposed to be in line. And the hospital is in a is in a underserved community. So it's really not good. And it's another example of people will go up, see, the hospitals are the same, right? And we've talked a lot about this. So this is a huge issue for us to keep an eye on, both from an opportunity and a threat uh, perspective. Anything you want to add to that one, Shannon? No, I mean, I think it's interesting. It, in some ways, it actually connects back to this idea of dispersion and the theme that I think the pandemic's most enduring feature will be just this accelerant of things that were already happening, right? Like I think about for, for this one, for example, for mistrust of experts, what was that book? The Tom Nichols book, you know, The Death of Expertise. I think that was published in, you know, 2017. So we've kind of been on this path because of, you know, the internet um, kind of just shifts in different service models, the transformation of the news industry, obviously social media, all of that. But just a lot of what we're saying here, it's just this proof of um, these things that have really come to the forefront in the past year. They're not just COVID blips that are going to go away. They were happening. They were just accelerated. And now in many ways, they're here to stay. So to, to the earlier conversation around kind of rapid renewal, it's our responsibility to just acknowledge them and then to solve for them and then try to kind of overcome them as we can in building those relationships with consumers, with families, with our communities. Yeah, it, it is just such a huge opportunity to do this yeah. well and to, and to benefit from it. So a couple pieces of advice. So first of all, our, our research continually show that, hey, we're, we're already trusted, but also people would love to hear more from us. Now, a lot of that was during COVID when people were craving information, uh, but, but, but it still holds true for a lot of these bigger, broader health issues. Uh, and so there's so much more we could be doing as hospitals and health systems to fill that space. Um, so do more. That's the first piece of advice. The second is go back and revisit your brand strategy. Does your brand positioning even allow for you to show up as an expert in health, right? Not just care, not just we have the best surgeons, but as a place to turn for anything related to health. We've been talking about that for years as well. Uh, and this, this idea that, that other sources that we're trusted are, are, are being kind of um, put in a corner a bit gives us an opportunity to step into this even fuller. But we've got to be able to do it at the right level uh, and be consistent with it and strategic about it. Last one. Let's get to the last one because we got some questions. I want to make sure we can get to the questions. The last one, Shannon. Worship of crowds. Tell us about that one. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that this has been fed by what we were just talking about, right? By the mistrust of experts, by the um, kind of new digital social media environments. Um, 
So I think that when we think about worship of crowds, this is about turning attention away from kind of a, admiring, you know, leaders, admiring expertise, admiring experts, um, and actually paying attention and really following what's happening in your in your in group. Um, and so a lot of that was, again, accelerated in 2020, right, we had COVID upending the economy, there was the, the political, the social media environment, um, this kind of magnifying glass placed on racial inequality. Uh, and, you know, I think we saw a lot of that fuel starting to ignite almost this explosion um, and everyone's looking to take action, looking at what others are doing. So um, I think that there's there's a handful of implications for really any brand, but especially hospitals and health systems. Um, and I can talk through maybe some examples, too, of kind of like new emerging platforms that we're seeing this. But one social is king now. Right. Social is everything, whether that's um you know, through some of the older, more traditional platforms, but also some of the new emerging ones that we can touch on. And I think with that, it means that when we've thought about traditional top-down marketing, that's kind of been dying for a while, but it's really dead now, you know, like that, that kind of pushing messages and not expecting some sort of an engagement response, customization. We just can't do that anymore, um, which then leads to this aspect of, you know, word of mouth peer-to-peer -peer referrals? Um, how do we make sure that we're shifting our legacy approaches of using marketing to talk at people and change that to talk with people? And I think that this idea of the worship of crowds you know, makes it even more critical that hospitals are actually engaging directly with individuals, um, whether that's from a community-focused perspective or whether that's through targeted, personalized um, content you know, that that's really the direction we have to be going in. And and I think we can talk about a lot of different examples, too, um, if we want to from, you know, Clubhouse to influencer marketing to new virtual worlds like, you know, Roblox. And we can dig into any of those if we want. Yeah, let's dig into a couple of them. But I just want to kind of reinforce what you said. We, we just did work recently for a client. We did a deep dive uh, into a service line journey. Uh, and we were looking at it from all kinds of angles. And one of our key takeaways was, look, there's more information available to the shopping patient than ever before. Um, despite that, word of mouth has seemed to even grow in importance. Uh, and we talked a lot about some of the implications of that or the reasons why, even though there's just anything you'd want out there to help make you a decision on where should I get this procedure done and which doctor and, and do I need the procedure? Um, it, it's, it's like anything else. People want shortcuts, they take shortcuts. And if my friend went through this procedure and my friend says, oh, you need to go see Dr. Hooper. Dr. Hooper's the best. I mean, I got in and out, the, the surgery was great. I'm gonna take that over you know, three hours of trying to figure out how to research yeah. which doctor to go to. Um, that's always been the case. But I think it was a little startling for us to see that it's even more the case based on our research, given that there's been such an explosion of information and resources for people to have, you thought it might have gone the other way. Um, and our research, at least in this case, showed, no, actually, word of mouth is, is because of there's so much, people just, they're just not going to do it, right? Or if they do it, it's to validate a decision that was driven by word of mouth. So um, talk. Talk a little bit about influencer marketing because yeah. um, it reminds me of one of the one of the takeaways we we heard from a patient who made a decision on surgery in a group setting, 
So it was like a bunch of, of this person's friends they were considering the surgery and they all got together and, and talked about it, you know, um, in a group, which I don't think happens that often, but is a reflection of the idea of influencer marketing anyway. Yeah. So influencer marketing, I mean, it's something that, you know, as you know, Chris, we're starting to leverage a lot more with our clients, whether it's for um, kind of more brand oriented, top of the funnel efforts, service line efforts, vaccine campaigns. You know, I think we're, we're seeing this as an emerging really powerful tool in a lot of communities. So, um, I mean, I think what's really important to know about influencer marketing, uh, there's a few things. So first off, it can really help brands achieve reach um, and relevance, maybe more importantly, even beyond what traditional advertising can, can offer. So I saw some great research the other day, which basically showed that uh, influencers garner a much stronger emotional response and higher levels of memory um, and kind of retention than TV, than any other ad. So like there's actually something neurological going on here, which I think is a really important thing to keep in mind, um, which is really powerful when you think about top of the funnel marketing strategies, the desire to build a more longitudinal relationship with a patient, with a family, with a community. And I think the thing that's really important is, as always, audience really, really matters here, but audience really, really matters here. So, you know, when you look at different sub-segments, like, for example, if you're looking at Gen Z, they are paying attention to what we call micro-influencers. So those who focus on a very specific niche or area. And what we found is, for example, influencers with the broadest reach, actually generally not who you should be working with, right? Because they're not trusted in the same way. This is all about this element of, of trust and authenticity. Um, and using, uh, we have a model that we call kind of the three R's, which is the scorecard to actually vet influencers. So how do you really understand their reach? Who's their audience? What's the sphere of influence? What's the audience makeup? Um, but resonance becomes really important. Like, is that audience listening? Are they engaging? Do we have evidence that there is a relationship of trust between these players? Um, and then also from a relevance perspective, right? Does the, does the content that the influencer is already putting out, is it aligned not only with our needs, but with our voice, with our brand, you know, are there shared values? And when you're able to actually really kind of optimize around those things and do it in a very nuanced audience by audience uh, way, the impact is honestly pretty massive. So yeah, I think that's a, just a huge area to tap into as we are seeing the shift into this more kind of worship of crowds type of environment. So so question came in and, and we've got a number of them. So I'm, I'm gonna take them in the order that seems to make the most sense um, related to this. So, so expand a little bit more on what you were talking about. The question is, are influencers doctors and people within the organization or regular consumer influencers? I imagine that the, the answer is potentially both. But, but what's your take on that, Shannon? Yeah, yeah, potentially both is right. I will say that we are doing a lot more with community influencers because those are the folks that the audience we're trying to reach, they're already following, they're already engaging with, they already have trust in. And then, you know, when we're looking at platforms, I mean, the platforms that are really active, yes, there's, you know, Instagram and those social platforms. TikTok is a really big platform for healthcare conversations these days. So I think, you know, it's it's easier to tap into someone who has an existing network there versus trying to maybe, you know, orchestrate a, a doctor or a nurse to get on that platform, although that's actually happening more than you would imagine already. 
Yeah, for sure. And and certainly like we all know that one of the most powerful influencer groups are, are support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, going back to my point before, we see typically folks aren't engaging with support groups and the influences there until after they've made some care choices or actually received care. Just again, going back to, excuse me, going back to that point that folks aren't doing the research you would typically see. And that's where you would, you would probably uncover, oh, there's a support group for the kind of surgery that I want. Let me, let me go in there and look. Uh, that usually comes after when you're trying to, you know, if it's a, if it's a chronic situation or an ongoing um, issue that, that's not resolved by one procedure. Um, but that's obviously a, an example of where influencing can, can have a huge impact on, on where people end up going, what they say to other people, again, to drive that word of mouth. Let's go to some of the other questions, Shannon. Yep. Uh, so let's see, I'm going to see what the best order here is. Let's just start at the top. I'm sure this is true across the industry. Bringing in more surgeries is a number one priority. How should the threat of new COVID variants causing another spike play a role in this? And I would also just add on to their point insert to rapid renewal. You want to take the first stab at that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think what we're going to be doing over the next many months and, you know, maybe even longer is we just have to keep a really close eye on this. But this also comes back to a lot of what we were doing last year around kind of rapid recovery too, which is how do you make sure that you are making your um, your community feel comfortable, have trust in you, kind of demonstrate the, the safety aspects. I think a lot of those principles from rapid recovery, they don't go away. They continue to play a role into now and probably into the future. So that would be probably my first thought there, Chris. Yeah, and, and, and obviously like surgical volume will always be a top thing you know last year with rapid recovery it was the thing because it was what you needed to to financially make yourself right it'll always be a priority i read this question as much about are we really ready for rapid renewal like with the variants coming and that's totally fair that's why is it still the no normal we're still in the no normal uh we're still dealing with uncertainty and so while the clouds are breaking and we can kind of start seeing the trends like we've talked about um, and we can start thinking about this. If if leap goes sideways, we might have to pull that back, and we might be right back where we were last spring. Um, you know, deeper into the fall of last year, we hear some pretty ominous things from Europe, from, from whether it's Italy, where it's Paris, where it's our European locations shutting back down because they were too aggressive and opening back up, and now the variants are causing huge issues. Um, and again, I think it was the Washington Post today. Um, some major outlet that said we're experts say they're seeing us right on the cusp of another giant spike, um, which is so hard. The cognitive dissonance in that right now yeah. uh, is just mind blowing for me. As we open things back up, uh, as the vaccines hit, you're like, what are you talking about? Like, it all looks great. So we just don't know. But but rapid renewal is going to even if it's a fit and a start. Once we are through this, that is what's going to be in front of us, hopefully sooner rather than later. All right, here's the last question we have. Um, as for the future of healthcare, do you have any insights or feedback on companies like One Medical and Forward, which are changing the game for preventive or primary care? Is this the future? Are healthcare systems at risk for falling out of touch? I love this question. Um, yeah, I could actually geek out on this topic for a lot longer than I know we have <laughs> remaining. <laughs> um, I, I think the short version is, 
yeah, these players are are legit and are serious and we need to be watching them. And I do think that in many ways they are shaping a lot of the future of what kind of consumer experience of healthcare looks like. So um, I, I heard a great podcast about one medical the other day, putting aside some of the the challenges that they're having right now on the vaccine distribution front, um, but basically talking about how they were the first to make healthcare millennial, right? And so I kind of laughed at that, but there's there's something in that of this aspect of creating an experience that from the very beginning is about convenience, access, you know, just a, like a cool space when you go into their offices you want to be in. Um, and I think we're seeing that with a lot of these new players, whether it's you know, whether it's players like One Medical and Forward, whether it's even some of these more Medicare Advantage oriented types of players, right? Like the Iors, you know, Oak Street, some of those. Um, and then I also think you're even starting to see this with, uh, I mentioned direct primary care earlier, but you know, of all the direct primary care uh, practices that are out there, I think it's either like 70 or 80% of them were opened in the past four years. So this is a direction that things are also headed in, which is more, you know, subscription model, often kind of opting out of the insurance situation, very early adopters of telehealth, um, this kind of regular convenient line into your doctor at any time. So um, I guess to directly answer that question, I absolutely think that this is where the industry is headed. Um, and any provider who wants to be relevant 5, 10, 15 years from now needs to be adopting those same principles and how they're designing the consumer experience from that first touch point, which is often digital or kind of virtual in nature, all the way into actually what the the in-clinic or the in-home even setting looks like. Yeah, I, you just can't overstate the threat of, of the top of the funnel um, expansion from new entrants and competitors like this. And it, it harkens me back to the last time we were together in person for anybody, for us anyway, was in San Diego at our Joe Public Retreat in February of 2020, um, which now I feel like when I imagine it's in black and white and it's set to music because <laughs> I have all this longing for getting back to in front of people and with people. But there was a conversation that was just so amazing where you had a, a, a representative, a marketing leader from one of the biggest brands in the country saying that they have invested so much in their top of the funnel. And you had another marketing leader from another significant brand saying, we can't make it happen. So we have to partner with some of these people and they feel like they're, they're held a bit hostage. And the first marketer is like, I would never, never let somebody else own that part of the experience for me. And this other marketer is like, I'm with you, but I don't have any choice. Right. And then the, 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 the head marketer of the, the primary care company was also in the room and he just had like the, the smile of the Cheshire cat. Like, yep, here we are. You either partner with us or you're fighting us. And, and I think we have to keep coming back to the real threat of this. And that is because we still get people who go, but they're never going to do surgery. They're never going to do the things that make us the most money. No, probably not. But if they enter a one medical instead of your primary care and you know who knows what they're going there for, but you may lose that relationship forever. Yeah. They, they may not have a full funnel, but they may put somebody in somebody else's funnel in terms of acuity. And if that person gets diverted from your funnel to somebody else's, you have now lost any future surgical or downstream revenue. That's the threat. Uh, you lose control of the top of the funnel. You are beholden to the Cheshire cat <laughs> or worse. 
So I, it just, I just don't think you can overstate the importance of that. All right. Probably a good place to wrap with a, with a fear mongering adamant shout out, which we're still good at. Uh, Absolutely. Area of expertise right there. <laughs> that is our area of expertise is carrying the, the pants off people. Now, yeah. they, they, all of these trends have opportunities. They're not, they have threats in them, but they also have opportunities. And that's really the thing to focus on. So Shannon, thank you so much for joining. That was fantastic. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks. Yes, Chase, as always, sir. Yeah, of course. Really enjoyed the conversation. If you have something you'd like us to cover, throw it in the chat channel right now if you're with us live. If not, uh, you can send us an email at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com. We're always open to new topics that are important to you all. Uh, we can get guests on here to talk about them, experts. Uh, we'll take a stab ourselves. Whatever it takes, we want to cover what you guys want to hear. Remember to visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for a recording of today's episode and all of our content related to COVID-19. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And until next week, good luck out there in the no normal. Thanks again for joining us.